We're starting a new sermon series this week. Y'all excited about that? I know I am, right? We were walking through that sermon series based on the word surrender for a long time, and I hope you were blessed through that as much as I was. But we're going to be walking through the book of Luke for the next several, I don't know how long. Uh, but it's going to be a while, but I'm excited because Luke has easily became one of my, not just one of my favorite gospel accounts, but one of my favorite books in the Bible. And we'll talk about why that is here in a little bit. But um, on a personal note, I wanted to say thank you guys for allowing me to sneak away for a few days to spend time in California with my family. Thank you for your prayers. Um, I, I was able to go home and, and be with my family um, as my grandfather was passing away. Um, and, and praise God, I was able to speak to my niece, Drew, um, and share the gospel with her. And she accepted Christ. And that's been a prayer that we've been praying for a long time. So continue to pray for them. My grandfather did pass away um, very peacefully, and I, I wanted to share just something real quick, and it perfectly ties in. God works this way, um, but it perfectly ties into what Luke says in the first four verses of his, of his uh, gospel account. Um, I, my grandfather's very ornery. His name is Ronnie Renfro, um, he, and he, he's always telling jokes. He's always funny, but he loves the Lord, and I've been able to, um, by the grace of God, I've been able to talk to people as they're on their deathbed and, and pray over them, and, and I always ask the question, do you have any questions, or is there anything that you're uncertain about in your faith, um, and I, I love asking that question, because some people do have questions, so I said, Papa, do you have any questions, or anything that you're uncertain about with Jesus or God, do you have any questions at all, and he was in and out of consciousness, and he woke up, and he said, do you have any questions about God? <laughs> I got you. I, I hear you loud and clear, Papa. And so I have no doubt in my mind that he is in heaven um, with his Savior now. So thank you for your prayers um, and, and continue to pray for my family as, as we go through this loss. But um, the world today says that the Bible is nothing but a book. Um, that it's not really um, God's word. It has no meaning, has no purpose. And so it cannot be trusted because it's a fictional story written by man. And there's a statistic from last year, 2017, Gallup.com did a statistic, did a survey, and said that 24% of Americans actually believe that the Bible is the word of God and that we should take it seriously. 24%. And then it goes 47% believe that, yeah, it's inspired by God, but we really don't need to take it very seriously. Um, it, it's good. Uh, God inspired it, but not everything in it is from God. And, and so, but God inspired it. But here's, listen to this, 26% just believe that the Bible is an ancient book full of fairy tales and fables. And the only thing it's really good for is just for motivation. Right? That means that a quarter of our country believes that the Bible is nothing but a book. A quarter of our country believes that the Bible is not from God, that Jesus isn't the Son of God, and that God in himself isn't real. A quarter of our country, we are, our country has made this giant shift from believing in God, believing in the Bible, to today where they're saying, man, I, it's not, it's, there's no meaning behind it. And that means 47%, and there's some believers in there, I'm sure, 47% of the country, almost half of the country go, yeah, the Bible is inspired by God, but we don't have to really live by it. That's alarming. And if you look around today, 20, this was last year, if you look around today, we are seeing the consequences of 
that belief. Do you guys see that? Say amen. I know you do. It's unfortunate, but we see that our country is making this hard shift to non-believe. But Luke, what he does in his gospel account, he argues the opposite. Luke is, is claiming that the Bible is the meaning of life. That in the Bible, you can find your true purpose. You can find your true meaning and you can find real life and forgiveness and joy and peace. Everything that comes with it. It's all found in the Bible. Do you guys believe that this morning? What, inside, what is inside your Bible is the key to not just life, but the key to your life. And what's inside this book what you look at it, you'll realize it's not just a book, but it is alive and well, and it will speak to you. Not audible, right? Not, not put your headphones in, plug it in, and it speaks, but it will actually speak to your life. And so the question is, can we rely on the Bible? Can we read it and know for certain that it is true? And the question that you have to wrestle with just like my grandfather, if you were on your deathbed and someone asked you, do you have any questions about your faith? Are you uncertain about anything? Would you be able to look them in their face and ask them if they had a question? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for um, just being here, God. You are so good and we feel your presence, God. We know that you're here. Holy Spirit, we pray that you make yourself even more known um, right here, right now, Father. I pray that you use me as your microphone, that, uh, that God, that you would just literally grab a hold of my mouth and you just speak today, God. Lord, I pray that whatever we read today, whatever we discuss, God, that you would just make yourself known through it uh, so that when we leave here, we can know for sure, God, that you are real and that your word is true. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. She says, and we pray. Amen. Amen. So there's three reasons why Luke, right, that we can find in Luke that we can know for certain that the Bible is true and that we can have certainty in our faith in Jesus Christ. Um, let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 1. And before we read it, you guys, this, this first four verses, it's one long sentence, and it's considered to be the most beautifully written um, sentence in the Greek language in the New Testament. And all that tells us is that Luke took his time to write these four verses. So what's in these four verses, are, they're important, right? And someone took their time to write the best written sentence in Greek in the New Testament, we better pay attention to it, amen? And so let's, let's read this first verse 1. And as much... As many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Just as though those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Now in high school or in college, I had a roommate. His name is Matt Upshaw. And Matt Upshaw, I I'm, consider myself ADHD. Y'all know me. I get hyper. Right? It's hard for me to focus. He is an extreme version of that. 
Okay? I mean, he, he can't sit still. He's constantly fidgeting, constantly running around, right? And in college, I was kind of a procrastinator, right? I would wait if my essay was due in a month. I would wait till two weeks before it was due. Then I would get started on it. He was an extreme version of that. He would wait till like three days before his 12-page essay was due to start on it. So all of us are in the library. We have the table out. We got books everywhere. And he would, here comes Matt two weeks later. It's due in three days. And he would just, he would just zone out. He had his chair like all the way to back. And he's just typing. And he's, there's books flipping. And you're like, man, this guy's crazy. And then he would come up to you and go, hey, I need you to read this for me. And we're like, I'm not reading 12 pages. You're done? He goes, no, 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 just, I just need you to read this. And so for three days, he would work, and it was just the intro paragraph. And you're like, Matt, what are you doing? And he's like, just read it. I just need you to read it, please. And so you would read that paragraph and go, that is the best thing I've ever read in my entire life. And if I was to grade his paper, I would just have to read that first, pa- that first paragraph and go, you're good. I would give you an A, right? That's what Luke is doing here. Luke is saying, I have done all this research. See, Luke wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a true eyewitness. But what he did was he heard this gospel. He knew about Jesus. And he says, I'm going to do my research. And what he did was he said, there's there's these things. Everyone's compiling all this information. That's how we have the four gospels, right? It's the synoptic gospels. They all sound similar. They have the similar stories, but they're kind of different, right? You guys, has, has anyone read through the four gospels before? You see the same stories in different orders, but they're all pointing to the same Jesus and who he is. And that's what Luke is doing. He says, I I know that a lot of people have been doing this, but I want to share what I've done uh, in my research. I want to share about what I've learned about Jesus Christ. And so the first thing, the first reason why we can have certainty in the Bible and have a seriousness about Jesus and our faith is because Luke says that prophecies were fulfilled. Prophecies were fulfilled. Look at verse 1 again. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of things that have been accomplished among us. Um, In the King James Version, someone, what is the word right there in the King James? It should say fulfilled. Right. And so what's happening here, these things were were written and and many people were writing about it because prophecies were fulfilled. They were accomplished. And and so praise God. Right. Praise God that prophecies were accomplished. Prophecies were fulfilled. But something special happens when you realize why Luke used the word fulfilled. Or accomplished. Because what he could have done and what most people would have done would said, these are the things that have happened. If he's doing all of his historic work, he's, he's, he's talking to eyewitnesses, he's talking to people that saw Jesus, saw the miracles happen. He said, these are the things that were fulfilled. Fulfilled has a little more purpose behind it than just happened. Y'all with me right now? That fulfilled has a little more meaning, a little more special than the word happened because some things just happened. But Jesus come and he didn't just happen to fulfill prophecies. He fulfilled them. He accomplished them. Y'all are not with me this morning, are you? The reason why Luke is referring to some prophecies that were made way back in the Old Testament. If you, if you didn't grow up in church, I'll, I'll make it real simple for you. 
The Old Testament book, right? We have the Old Testament. It's two books. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is just a bunch of letters and books all um, filled with stuff, um, filled with promises made by God. God just made all these promises. And the New Testament, you guys with me? The New Testament is just a bunch of books and letters compiled of how God kept his promise. And so it's awesome to look back in the Old Testament. If you don't read the Old Testament, you're missing out on something big here. God made a promise and he kept it in the New Testament. It didn't just happen. He fulfilled it. That's a good thing that God is a man, is a a God who keeps his word. Amen. That's exciting. What what was happening? Why so many people were were writing? Luke said as, as much as many were undertaking to compile a narrative. Many people were trying to write the story of Jesus Christ because it was exciting. It was exciting. Why? Because they, the whole life, all they've had is the Old Testament, and it's just breadcrumb trails leading up to Jesus Christ. And so they were excited because they, they remember um, reading and hearing in Genesis 3 that, that uh, when Adam and Eve fell, you guys remember the story of all creation, right? And Adam and Eve fell, and now there's sin in the world. God promised them that there is going to be a man in the future that's going to have more power over death and over sin, and that he would crush Satan. Genesis 3, that's the beginning of the book. That he will crush him with his heel, he's going to bruise his heel, crush his head, right? That's what Jesus did. He fulfilled that on the cross. Yes, death won for a little bit. Death took him off the cross and into the grave. But Jesus had more power and fulfilled the prophecy from Genesis chapter 3 and said, I will raise again. And three days later, here's Jesus. It's better than just happened. Jesus fulfilled it. The Bible tells us expect it. If it's in the Old Testament and it's a promise, expect it to happen at some point. Amen? Genesis 12, God promised Abraham, 100 years old, hey, you're going to have a baby? And he laughed at him. They're like, no, you're crazy. No, I'm not. And you're going to have a baby. And somewhere down your line is going to be the the Savior of the world who's going to bless all nations. Right? And if you look in Matthew chapter 1, don't skip those little genealogies. Don't skip those family trees. Sometimes if you're in like Leviticus, you can skip some of that stuff. (laughs) But don't skip that in Matthew. Because if you look through Matthew, the first chapter, it says doing the family tree of Jesus. And you'll see that he came from Abraham. And it it goes even back to David when God promised David that you're going to have all these kings in in your family tree. And here comes King Jesus. So Jesus fulfilled prophecies. And people were getting excited about that. Zechariah said that he would be pierced, that his side would be pierced. And this was hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy. Look at Isaiah. It's, the whole book of Isaiah is just a prophecy book. I don't have time to get into it. right? But the whole thing is just talking about that Jesus is coming. There's over 351, 52 prophecies, right? That Jesus has fulfilled. I don't know how many promises I've made, but I I promise you I didn't keep them all, right? I'm trying to work on it, right? But Jesus fulfilled 
every single one of them. And what happens is when all these disciples, right, the, the men that were walking with Jesus, when they saw this and Jesus was healing people and he was doing miracles and he heard him say, I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. I, it's me. And they saw him go through the, the worst type of death and they, and they seen his body get laid in the grave and they remembered what the Bible saying and what Jesus was saying. And then when they saw him rise from the grave, all of a sudden it started clicking for him and they go, wait a minute, Jesus is who he says he is. And everything that we've learned in the Old Testament is proving that Jesus is good. It didn't just happen. Jesus came and he fulfilled it. He's not just some story, man. He is the promised Messiah. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was spoken about years and centuries before he was even born. And the fact that he was born and the way he was born is just another prophecy being fulfilled. And so Luke comes in and he, and he tells us, man, these things were accomplished. They were fulfilled. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, when, when that happens and people started realizing this is not a fiction. This isn't just something my, my great grandma told me about. This actually happened. That's why people today in 2018 are still talking and gathering, learning more about Jesus Christ. Why? Because we know that Jesus is who he says he is. I don't care what the statistics say. The Bible is true. And we can have certainty in that because Jesus fulfilled prophecies. Mm. You can have certainty in your faith and take your faith with Jesus seriously because Jesus fulfilled prophecies. The second reason why we see in Luke um, is that you can take it seriously. You can have the certainty in your Bible and in your faith uh, because when Jesus came, witnesses were transformed. Witnesses were transformed. Look at verse 2. Just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. Right? These eyewitnesses, like I said, Luke, uh, you know, these, these were handed down stories that, that have been passed on for generations and generations. But what Luke did, he went to the source. He didn't, win and just, he didn't settle for the great-grandma down the street. He didn't settle for the neighbor. He went to the person that saw Jesus and talked to them and said, tell me what happened. That was Luke's source. All the miracles, all the resurrection, the, the virgin birth, he went and talked to me. That's why Luke, he went and he, we, have a, we have a record of what Mary went through when she was pregnant. Mary, I mean, he went straight to the horse's mouth, right? I'm in the South. I better start talking like it, right? He went to the horse's mouth to get the information. The 12 apostles, right? Uh, um, to you, for, in order to be considered an apostle, you had to walk with Jesus for the three years he was doing ministry. There, there's some qualifications. One, you had to walk with Jesus for three years. You had to hear him teach. Okay? You had to hear him teach. If you didn't hear him yourself, they, didn't, they, they just said, sorry, you know, I want to find someone who heard him teach. You had to see the miracles happen. You had to see his resurrection. You couldn't just be a good Christian. You had to be an eyewitness. Why? Because Luke isn't going to come up with some random story. Right? It's like y'all see the news when something happens like in Knoxville or, or California, right? And like this, this big thing happened and they're reporting. And all of a sudden the reporter comes over to this lady, right? And she's just trying to get her 15 seconds of fame. She has no idea. You can tell when she's, well, what happened? Oh, man, the fire went crazy. And, man, I was in there and I heard an explosion. And, you know, they have, and you can tell that they have no idea what they're talking about. Right? You guys know that? You ever seen that on TV? Right? That's a lady just trying to get her 15 seconds of fame. 
right? Luke didn't do that. Luke went straight to the source because he wanted to give us eyewitness evidence that would be certain enough to hold up in a court of law. How many of you have been to court before? Raise your hand. I'm surprised y'all admitted that. I'm going to pray for y'all to lose your hand. But some people actually believe that Luke, right? We know that he, this is his gospel account. He wrote this. But he also wrote the book of Acts. And, and some people believe that Luke wrote these volumes as a legal briefing in defense for Paul's faith as he was being persecuted in Rome, right? And, and if that's true, then what Luke has given us is rooted in evidence and not imagination. You don't take imagination to court. They'll tear you up. They, they'll spit you out just like that. But you take hard factual evidence, it'll stand against the court. So Luke and what he's doing is he's given this evidence. In Christianity, we hold on to the fact that there are historical evidences proving our faith. You look at Islam and the Muslims, like they, they hold on to the fact that Muhammad is the final prophet. Right? That he's the good prophet, he's the greatest prophet. Um, but did you know that there's little external evidence Right, their big thing is that Muhammad was magic, you know, miraculously transported to Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem he went to heaven. But there is no historical facts outside of the, the little belief that they had. Um, there's no external evidence proving that he was ever in Jerusalem. We have fact that Jesus lived in this world. And Luke, if you continue to read, and we're going to next week, he, he's listing off kings, he's listing off time periods, he's listing off names, because there's external evidence that Jesus is real, and he is who he says he is. So what that tells me is, Christianity is the only true religion. That God is the only true God because we hold on to the historical evidence and the fulfilled prophecies. He used eyewitnesses. Luke used eyewitnesses. So when people question him, he could say, no, no, no. This person, come here and tell us what you heard. And they go, man, I saw Jesus. I saw him walk on water. No, no, no. I saw Jesus. This man was blind. And Jesus said, here, and now he can see. No, no, Jesus touched me and now I'm healed. And so Luke would use this because you can't disprove someone who was blind and now they have sight. You can't disprove that. You can't disprove someone's testimony. That's why in 2018, I'm begging you guys to share your faith. Because you can't disprove it. If God is coming to your life, he has transformed you. And for God to transform a man like me, Proves nothing short than a miracle. We are eyewitnesses. We've never seen Jesus. But I know the only way to explain why I'm here today is because of what Jesus Christ has done for me in my life. These eyewitnesses were important to Luke because when Jesus ascended into heaven, the Roman Empire became a little hostile, right? Christianity was spreading, and, and there's this guy named Nero. You guys know Nero, right? He hated Christians. And I, I just learned this um, this week, actually, learning about this. Um, uh, Nero had this massive Colosseum. You guys know that. 
about 55,000 Romans can fit in this thing. And, and in the middle of it, they dug this massive pit and they would keep lions in there. And, and they would borderline starve these lions. And when they found anyone belonging to the way, right? Anyone belonging to Jesus Christ who, who claimed to be a Christian, they would find them and they would fill up the whole Colosseum, 55,000 Roman, Romans, right? Um, and they would throw these Christians into the pit of lions. And, um, and they starved these lions so that it would be a little more gruesome so that these Romans, they would get fired up and, and they would just feed these lions to Christians, Christians the lions. Right? And I started thinking about that more and more. And I want you to put yourself in that position. You hear from eyewitnesses. You hear from the apostles and eyewitnesses saying, man, Jesus is good. And they explain the gospel to you and, and you believe it. And so now you're, you're getting drawn, drugged into this Colosseum. And there's these Roman soldiers beating and they're, they're wanting you to die. They want to see you get tore up. And you're standing before the pit and they ask you one more time, are you a Christian? And you know if your answer is yes, in you go. If you say no, you can walk out. <laughs> what happens to your faith when it's tested? What happens to your faith when you're tested? You're not getting drugged into a Colosseum. We're not there yet. We're heading that direction. But what happens when you don't feel good? What happens to your faith? What happens when someone passes away? Or what happens when you lose something? Or these eyewitnesses, man. These people that heard the gospel, they stood there and said, I believe in Jesus. I've seen the evidence. I've heard the testimonies. And I know for certain that I'm going to follow Jesus. And historically, outside of the Bible, you can look up how many Christians Nero murdered. It really happened. It really happened. If they didn't get thrown into the lion's den, they got tar put on them as it was burning, smoldering, and they got killed through the, through the tar. You can't tell me that Christianity isn't real. When those people were willing to stand there and go, man, I, I've never seen Jesus, but I've heard the stories and I've heard the testimonies and I've seen the evidence. Go ahead and throw me in. What has happened to now we're in a country where 24 of us, 24% of us say, yeah, I still believe that this is good. What has happened to us? Maybe we need a Colosseum. Maybe if we had a Colosseum, then we can weed out the ones who are fake. That's what's killing the church, the fake ones. Come on, Spirit. I ain't, this ain't even on the paper. Uh, maybe we need to weed out the fake ones so that the real ones can really live and we can really share the gospel and the ones who are not Christians can hear the real ones and our real testimonies and say, regardless of what I go through, whether it's the lion's den, whether it's the government locking me up, whether I lose a friendship, lose a relationship, have to stop doing this, I will do anything because I've seen the evidence and I trust in God. Amen. Maybe we need a call to him. Hmm. 
But then I look at myself. Right? I don't want to preach at you. I look at myself, and tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up, have a little bit of coffee with Julie, right, and, and my wife, and I'm going to sneak away, and I'm going to read my Bible. But I wonder how many times before I sit down I think about what Jesus had to go through in order for me to have this Bible. How many times have I sat and just thought about all those people who were martyred, carrying on the gospel, carrying it on regardless of what was going on around them and say, hey, I, this is an eyewitness. They said this. I'm going to carry it on. I know what I've experienced. I'm going to carry on the story. I'm going to carry on the testimony. I don't know if I think about that. And what makes me mad is that people who discredit this, it's like they're skipping over the thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians who stood and said, I will die for my faith. Do you take this seriously? What you have here is a treasure. And the more that you dig into it, the more treasure you're going to find. How many of your Bibles at home right now have a little bit of dust on them? Jesus, what he did through his life and through the life of those eyewitnesses, man, he went through a lot to give you this book. Amen? Luke writes so that we can have the certainty in our faith and have uh, faith in the fact that Jesus is real. We can be serious about it. One, because he fulfilled historic prophecies, right? And the second reason, like we said, witnesses were transformed. There's no question about it. Jesus transforms us. But the third reason why is because Jesus, when he came, skeptics were convinced. Are y'all sleeping on me, huh? Skeptics were convinced. People that were skeptical questioned Jesus. They were convinced. Look at verse 3. Luke 1, verse 3. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely, right? All things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. We don't know much about Theophilus. Right? I'm going to cut his name to Theo. I like Theo better. Right? We don't know much about Theo. We know that he's not a Jew. Right? Most likely, um, some things he's Italian. Some things that um, he, he might have been from Rome. Um, but regardless, he was, he was in the same, same situation as us. He didn't know Jesus. Someone came and explained Jesus to him. And he came to faith. Right? And so how did that happen? I believe firmly that it was the, in the book of Acts, right? That some Christian came along and he preached, right? This is the early church. He preached the gospel. Theo heard it and goes, man, I, I think I want that. He heard the evidence and he goes, I, I believe in that. Even though he never saw Jesus, he heard the evidence, right? So why did he believe? How was this man convinced that it was true? He was a thinking man, right? That's what we can gather that. If Luke is going to do so much research and dedicate two books to this guy, Theo, right? We know that he's a thinking man, right? And, and, and so uh, he wrote him uh, a letter full of evidence. And, and Theo didn't need this uh, Christianity to become rich. Look at, what, look at what Luke called him. Most excellent Theophilus. 
No one really was called most excellent, right? How many of you have been called most excellent before? <laughs> right? I don't think I, I've been close to something like that, right? <laughs> it was never most excellent. Uh, most excellent Theophilus. That just tells us that he was high up in society. He did, so he didn't need Christianity to like gain respect. He had it. Right? He, he didn't need it. He, he didn't need money from Christianity. He didn't need, he didn't need like, oh, if I have Jesus, I have wealth. He, he was most excellent. Right? He didn't, he didn't want to uh, uh, come to Christianity because it would make his life easier. He saw what was happening to those Christians. It wasn't like he's going, oh, I want protection. Let me become a Christian. Right? They were killing him. And so what, what was it that made... Theo become a believer in Jesus Christ. See, Theo was like millions of others in history who at one point was a skeptic. Why would I believe in God? Why would I trust that Bible? Who who wrote it? Man, why would I trust that? Look at what I've been through. Why would I give my life to Jesus? Theo was just like millions of us. But he became convinced. Amen? We're all faced with this question. Why believe? Why believe in Jesus when there's so many other religions? Why believe in Jesus when why believe Jesus is the only way to have forgiveness of our sins? Why believe that uh, that it, when it might make your life more awkward? Right? Why be it why become a Christian when it might make your life harder? Why become a Christian when the whole world is against Christianity? Why would I do that? Why would I believe if my life is good? I don't really need a God. Why believe? Real simple answer. Y'all ready? Y'all know I like simple, right? Real simple. The only answer I can think of is we believe because it's true. I believe in Jesus because he is true. I believe in the Bible because I know it's true. Christianity, you don't become a Christian to, become, to have an easier life. Jesus promises the opposite. It will become harder. How many of you have experienced that? How many of you know it's still worth it? Amen. You don't become a Christian to, uh, to, to make you happy. We're not, promised, we're not promised happiness. We're promised joy. Joy is different than happiness. Amen. You can't lose that joy, baby. Even in the hard times. Even sitting next to my grandpa on his deathbed singing Amazing Grace. We can have joy. You don't come to, you don't come to believe because uh, it's going to give you something. We believe because it's true. This gospel message, the fact that Jesus was alive and he is God and he came to serve, not to be served, and die on the cross for our sins. It's true, so I believe in it. Because if it's true, I need it. If it's true, you need it. Man, y'all are tired of something. I had some coffee. Y'all didn't get none. When Jesus came, old, ancient, historical prophecies and promises were fulfilled. Look them up. You need evidence. Go look them up. When Jesus came, witnesses were transformed and they died for the truth. Eleven apostles, all martyred. When Jesus came, skeptics were convinced and they go on being convinced 
because of the message of Jesus Christ is true. And once you realize how true the gospel is, when you realize how true and how real God is, you can't walk away from it. You might for a little bit, man. You can't. But the Bible tells us that they exchange truth for a lie. And that's why we see it. It, it pisses me off, guys. I'm going to tell you. When pastors water down the gospel and say that you don't have to believe everything in the Bible, that it's all just stories. You don't have to believe that Jesus is the only way, that there is no, hell is not as bad as we think it is. I'm convinced that it's true. C.S. Lewis, you guys know C.S. Lewis, right? I'm going to start wrapping it up. Y'all know C.S. Lewis? Um, great author, theologian, brilliant man. Uh, when he was in college in his dorm room, he, um, he wrote about how he did not want to become a Christian. And he prayed, God, don't, please don't convince me to become a Christian. And he was in his college dorm room and he felt the presence of God and, and he, he converted to Christianity. And he said about himself, I have to be the most reluctant convert in history. I doubt it's that extreme, right? But C.S. Lewis, man, and, and, and look what happens. He's convinced, and man, he, he's written things that, that Christians have studied for years. It's bringing people to Christ still today, what he's written. You don't believe because it's easy. You believe because it's true. The story of Jesus is too big to walk away from. It's too big to walk away from. It, it has the meaning of life in it. Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It has your life in it, has your purpose in it, has your meaning in it. And it all breadcrumbs straight to Jesus Christ. You guys know the breadcrumb trail, right? Each little part of it, man, it goes straight to Jesus. He is the Savior of the world. You need to be forgiven of your sins. You guys hear me? You need to be forgiven of your sins. Jesus can forgive you. Jesus is the only way for you to be forgiven of your sins. There is no other way. Jesus Christ alone can save you. He is the judge. Our lives, one day we're going to be held accountable for it, our life. Things that we did, things that we didn't do. But Jesus is a righteous judge. Jesus also says that he is coming back. He's going to be the king and reign over everything. When Jesus promises something, if his life fulfilled 351 prophecies, you think he's not going to fulfill his own promise? I'm betting that he does. <laughs> right? Jesus is coming. And we'll, we'll wrap it up like this, I promise. I'm going to go up. Matter of fact, come on up, the worship team. This is how we're going to wrap it up. Don't, don't believe in Christianity to make yourself happy. Okay? Don't believe because you think you should. Don't believe because it's all you've ever known. It's what your family does. Believe in the gospel because it is true. And when Jesus came, man, he, there's nothing greater than Jesus. Skeptics were changed. And so my last question that you need to deal with is this. What are you going to do with this truth? This is true. 
Everything in here is true. What are you going to do with it? I can beg you, and I will, to share your faith, to dig into the word. But until you realize how true this is, nothing's going to get done. And so the two responses that we can have today, the first response, maybe you're questioning Jesus, maybe you're questioning the Bible, your faith, that's okay. Doubting Thomas, y'all know him, right? He doubted to the very end until he touched Jesus when he came back. Then he goes, oh, maybe you are Jesus. Maybe you are the Messiah. It's okay to doubt, but if you are, dig into this truth. Get you a Bible. If you can't understand the King James Version, come find me. I have several versions that are good. The ESV is translated word by word just like the King James, but in different modern English. It's okay to read a different version. You understand me? Some of you are mad at me right now, huh? <laughs> it's, oh, there's no point to read something you don't understand. That's called being dumb. Get you a Bible and dig into it because it's the truth. And if you dig into it, the more that you put into it, the more you're going to get. Get off of Facebook too, by the way. Stop reading those Facebook articles. <laughs> right? I hate them. They tell your cousin down the road who listens to the TV preacher to stop and just go get in the Bible for a little bit. Sit down and pray. Dig into his truth. The second response is this. Maybe you realize that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That now that you've seen the evidence and you know, man, you need to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can do that today. Skeptics were convinced. You can be a witness who is transformed. And so I'll end with this. You can have certainty in your faith. You can. You can have certainty in your salvation because the Bible tells us in Romans 10 and 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you shall be saved. So if you need certainty, come find me. Y'all stand with me.